vision, seeing others, seeing Jesus clearly. Thank you, Ryan, for the scripture interpretation. Ryan walked us through all of John chapter 9, and over the next five weeks, we will look uh, piece by piece at this entire chapter of scripture as we follow the story of the man born blind uh, who was healed by Jesus and each week with each passage he comes closer and closer to seeing Jesus truly for who Jesus is. Today we look at the first section of the chapter of the story John chapter 9 verses 1 through 12. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man who called, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. Let's pray together. O Lord, you are our vision. Be thou our vision now. As we follow the story of the man born blind, the one to whom you gave physical vision and spiritual vision, may we too receive your vision through this Lenten season. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The disciples do not see the man born blind who is begging by the road. They see him, yes, but they don't really see him. They do not see him as a person with a story, a person who has hopes and fears and dreams, a person who knows what it means to suffer. Instead, they see him as an object. They see him as a theological problem who exists to solve their theological curiosity, their theological questions. So they asked, asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They reflect a view that was common in that day that any person born with physical disabilities, it must be due to some sin that someone committed. And they're asking Jesus within the context of that common vision, and Jesus will have nothing to do with the question. They're asking the wrong questions, as Ryan hinted at a moment ago. Jesus dismisses any view then or now that says that physical disabilities or tragedies or some awful thing that happens to us are the direct result of of God punishing us for our sin or someone else's sin. Neither this man's sin nor his parents. 
He was born blind so that the works of God could be revealed in him. It's not that God specifically uh, causes everyone to have a disability who is born with one so that they will one day be healed. It's this particular man, in this particular case, he's born blind so that at this moment, God's works, God's glory can be revealed in him. Jesus points the disciples in a completely different direction from, direction from the question that they ask. He points them to his works and to the fact that he is the light of the world and he will soon demonstrate this by giving physical light, sight to the eyes of the man born blind. The disciples do not see the blind man as a person. They see him as an object. And then they, they do what people then and now do often. They talk about him as if he were not there. I am assuming that because the man was born blind, he had developed a keen sense of hearing over the years to compensate for his lack of vision, which means that he's able to hear everything that the disciples are saying, and they're not saying anything to him that addresses him. They are talking about him. And how often do we do that to one another? They do not see him for who he is. And after Jesus heals him, the neighbors can't believe that it's actually him. Is this really the man that was born blind? Or is it someone else? In other words, all these years they have seen him, but they really haven't seen him. They have not addressed him as a person made in the image of God. They do not know him. He is an object for them, perhaps to help them feel better about themselves because they do not have the same disability that he has. And then he keeps saying, I am the man. I am the man. Can you imagine how he must have felt? Surely he's thrilled that he can now see but there's all, surely there, there, is, there is sadness in him that he has to prove who he is to these people that have never really seen him. He's in the hospital visiting a relative of a person in our church at the time. I didn't know the man. He couldn't speak. He was, had all the tubes in. But he was awake and alert, and his eyes were wide open. And he communicated volumes with his, with his eyes. So I talked. I did all the talking. Talked about the relative who was a part of our church. And then said, as, as he was clearly tired, I'll just... Stand beside your bed for a while and, and pray for you silently. And so he shut his eyes and was resting. A doctor came into the room, followed by four or five medical students. Well, you probably know where I'm going with this story. They talked around the patient, they talked about the patient. They looked at the charts. 
they didn't acknowledge that I was there. And then they walked away as quickly as they came in. And as soon as they were gone, the man opened his eyes wide open, turned and faced me, and again communicated volumes. Now, don't mean to pick on doctors. We all do this. We all do this. There are ways in which we see people but don't see people. Speak to people but don't really speak to people. Listen but, but don't really listen. There is a selfishness in our sight. We tend to, to see people for what they can do for us or for who they are in relationship to us or for how we can benefit from them. It's so hard for us to see people as fellow creatures made in the image of God for whom Jesus died. And yet is the kind of sight that Jesus calls us to have for one another and for our neighbors. And the good news is Jesus doesn't see people the way we see people. Jesus doesn't see you the way others see you. Jesus doesn't see you the way you see yourself because Jesus sees you, sees us with a love beyond which any of us could understand or comprehend. The most beautiful phrase, the most beautiful phrase, verse 1, John says, As Jesus walked along, He saw... He saw a man blind from birth. He saw him with love. He saw him as the child of God that he was. He saw him with compassion. He saw his story. He knew everything about him. He looked into his eyes. He looked into his soul. And Jesus does the same for us. Can't imagine that Jesus is walking along and he sees the blind man and he says, uh, you know, I, I got to see this person because I'm supposed to. And Jesus doesn't look at you and say, I'm going to look deeply into that person's life just because it's what I'm supposed to do. He sees us for who we are because he loves us and he wants to bless us. And don't you know that blind man was filled with joy and energy and hope and love when he knew that unlike everybody else around him, Jesus actually saw him. I'm going to tell a Carolina basketball story, but I promise you it has nothing to do with the fact that North Carolina beat Duke last night in... I promise, nothing to do with that. Um, I grew up as a boy going to uh, basketball camp every summer at UNC Chapel Hill. We would stay in Granville Towers just off of Franklin Street, and then we would be bused to various middle school and high school gyms based on our age group uh, for the camp throughout the week. 
One morning at the camp at our gym, some middle school in Orange County, uh, there was a water break and everybody rushed to get the water. I wasn't thirsty, so I just took the ball by myself and started shooting free throws. And someone walked into the gym. His name was Dean Smith. He was the legendary coach of the Tar Heels, died a couple of years ago. And he came right up to where I was shooting free throws. And he, he said, you know, I'm guessing that your dad rebounds for you every day as you shoot free throws in the driveway. And he was right. But more than that, how do you think I felt when Dean Smith came over and spoke to me that he saw me, that he valued me, and that he encouraged me. Now, some of us from North Carolina really would equate Dean Smith with Jesus. I don't want to do that exactly right now. But Jesus really does see us in the ways that the person in our lives who we would most want to see us and bless us, we would hope for that person to see us. And he sees us in far deeper ways than any human being, no matter how significant they are in our lives or they seem to us, can see us. And when he sees us, oh, what a wonderful awareness that comes upon us. Jesus heals the man. But notice how he heals them. He doesn't, as in other places, simply say, you're healed. He doesn't even use the spit in the mud to touch his eyes and say, now you're healed. He does the spit in the mud and he touches his eyes. And then he says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. In other words, Jesus, Jesus gives the man a role to play in his own healing. Jesus gives him something to do in the process of being healed. Jesus gives him dignity. Jesus gives him work. Jesus invites him to participate in the work that God is doing through him. If we want to see Jesus more clearly... If we want to see what God would have us do and be as a church in our next season of ministry, certainly God could snap a finger, speak a word, spit and make some mud and touch our eyes, and immediately we could see the way we need to see as individuals and as a church. But more often than not, God chooses not to work in that way but involves us in our own healing, involves us in the journey towards true sight, true vision. He gives us things to do. And so in our Lenten journey, in our vision journey as a church, I hope and pray that throughout the season, as we journey toward the cross, that each of us will continue to worship together in this place each week, that we will read the scriptures each day, that we will pray, that we will seek to love and to serve and, and do the disciplines, the activities, the practices that we're given by God, all of which, in one sense, are ways in which we participate in our own healing 
These disciplines, all the things that we do at the church, they're not anything to earn anything from God. They do not accomplish our own healing. They are ways in which we open ourselves to the Spirit's presence. Spit and mud, so to speak, through which we open ourselves, through which we experience the healing of Jesus. When Davis was three and Luke was one and before Thomas was with us, uh, I would stroll. We had a two-person stroller, and I would stroll Davis and Luke uh, around our neighborhood in Sanford up and down the hills and uh, sometimes run, get a little exercise. It was a, a precious time. Uh, but before I would take the stroll, I would strap them both in in the driveway, and then I would stretch. I'd do my stretches, do this, and stretch for just a little bit. And one morning as we were doing this, Davis in the stroller started to stretch himself. He was stretching so that then I could push him through the neighborhood. He was participating in what I was about to do for him. And so, sisters and brothers, let us pray and worship and read Scripture and serve and love so that we may participate in our own healing, that we may realize and give thanks for the truth that Jesus sees us, really sees us. And that so we, that we may receive our own sight that we may see others as Jesus sees them. Let us pray.